We're going to read several places in Genesis. Genesis 5, 5, Genesis 5, 8, Genesis 23 and 24. And let me just kind of give you a synopsis of this. We're going to talk about Enoch for a little while today. And I'm going to actually title this, this time in the word, Are We, Are We the Enoch Generation? If there ever is a precedent, a precedent set for the rapture of the church, and I do believe in the catching away, it's not the second coming because every eye will see him. They will all behold him all over the world and they'll mourn because of him at the second coming. The first advent is when he came as a baby to lay in the manger, but he didn't stay in the manger. He wasn't in the manger to, to bring peace by being such a pure, holy child. Uh, he stayed, he came to the manger so he could grow into a full grown man and take our place on the cross. If he hadn't went to the cross, the manger is meaningless. It has no, no effect at all upon our salvation or anyone's salvation. He came with a purpose, and that's why the gifts that were given were for a king and a prince and myrrh. What a strange gift for a baby to give that that you would put on bodies in that tradition of that day in preparation uh, for burying that body in a tomb incredible when Mary saw this gift why would that wise man bring this gift because they knew why he came not just to be a king in the political sense in that era he came to die on a cross for us and they had a revelation of that. And they brought him gifts for a king because surely he would become king of kings and lord of all lords. But he came to die on the cross. And when that gift was given, Mary began to understand the bittersweet, the sweet of having the honor of bringing forth this child. But beginning to understand that this child was destined to give his life, to lay it down. And it became more clear as time went on. So when we talk about the Enoch generation, let me tell you about the comings first. And we'll move quickly through this as we can. Enoch walked with God and was not because God took him. That's what's unique about him. But there's other things unique about him. He lived in a progressively wicked world, a world where sin was exponentially continuing to make progress in man. It didn't take long in a world that has fallen uh, for the enemy to begin to influence men and women. He lived in a very wicked time. We live, and there's parallels to Enoch with us, we live in a very wicked time. There was a trendy uh, movement that Christians are going to take over Hollywood. Christians are going to take over all the political places. Pray for any president, ours now, and whatever the next one is. I prayed for old Obama. I'm not saying that disrespectfully. I prayed for President Obama. I prayed for his wife and his children. Uh, I prayed that 
that uh, how did you pray? How do you pray for presidents? Well, I pray that when they step into the Oval Office, they will sense the presence of God. This is a nation that God has raised up to be a beacon to the world, and we're not what we should be anymore but there was a time that we were the were the 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 launching pad for world missions around the world mission if you go to moody bible institute on the wall there's a list of missionaries who have laid down their life for the gospel all over the world who have left everything and all the comforts that that uh, they could have had at home to go and put their life on the line and even to lay it down to tell others. You might have seen a a movie, uh, kind of a docudrama called The End of the Spear about missionaries who went and laid down their life. They did not win those people. But when the next missionaries come, they said if their faith was so strong that they were willing to die for it, we're going to listen to what they have to say about Jesus. Jesus, can you say man? So this is not just a blood-bought gospel. This is a blood-brought gospel. Can you say man? The martyrs have given their life for the gospel to be put forth. In fact, it was occurring in the book of Revelation because the Bible said that, that, that to, to the, a church during that era, that, that they were to be faithful unto death. said, Satan is going to put some of you in prison. And some of you are going to be killed for the faith. And he told them, but be faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life, eternal life. Can you say amen? So he called on their faithfulness because they looked past this life, and they saw beyond the veil. Amen. And underneath the throne, who is underneath the throne? Who is dwelling not in in some uh, lesser uh, place in, in heaven, but in a prominent place in heaven right there in proximity to God's throne? Who is there? Amen. Those that have given their life for the sake of the gospel. They're not asking for vengeance. They're asking for what God gives and grants justice. Justice. They're crying to him day and night. How long, O Lord, will you not avenge our blood, the innocent blood shed of the martyrs? They're there crying unto God. Not their physical bodies. Absent from the body is what? Present with the Lord. Where are they in his presence? They are right there in the throne room. They are right there beneath his throne. And he's saying, just a little while, John saw it, heard it, Just a little while until your brethren who shall also give their lives for the gospel. Did you know people are dying for Jesus around the world as we sit in this comfort, this protected area today? Amen. People are dying in order to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Amen. The dragon that pulled a third of the angels with his influence out of heaven in rebellion. He persecuted the woman that brought forth the man-child, the book of Revelation says. The dragon, of course, being Satan himself, the great dragon. And he did what? He persecuted the woman who brought forth the man-child. Why? Because Satan is more of a believer than a lot of Christians. Satan knows the word of God is true. The devil knows the prophecy 
And he knows God watches over his word to perform it. Not one jot or tittle, put it in our language, not one comma or one dot of an eye is going to fail of his word. Amen. Have, has he not said it? And will he not do it? The devil knows. In fact, the Bible said that woe unto the inhabitants of the earth during the tribulation because this prince of the power of the air, this one who rules influencing from spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, he's going to come down unto you having great wrath because he knows because of the word of God. He knows he has but a short time. He knows he's not going to win this. He knows he can't win it. Because when he tried in the garden and through the fall, amen, there was a prophecy given. Thou shalt, the, the seed of the woman is coming. A seed of a woman is coming. That's why he hated the woman that brought forth a man child that would fulfill that prophecy. The seed of a woman is coming. All is not lost because of Adam's sin. Can you say, man, there's one coming who isn't going to sin. And you will hurt him. You will bruise his heel. It happened at the cross. But he will bruise your head. Hallelujah. The heel wound is not unto death, but the head wound is. Praise God. Jesus has come. But the devil hates the woman that brought forth the man child. And not Mary. Not Mary. But he hates the nation that produced him, Israel. There is a hatred for Israel. And it's global today. And there's a hatred for the church, spiritual Israel, us. Marvel not if the world, what? Hate you because Satan is the God of this world, little g. He's the one that has the primary influence except for those that have come to Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's talk about these comings and these parallels. There is a first coming of the Lord called the first advent. And it's called Christmas. When a baby was born of a virgin in a manger who would go to the cross for us. There is a, another coming that is spiritual. It's not one, two. It's between the first coming and the second coming. It fits neatly in between. And it's when the Holy Spirit was given. Jesus said, if I don't go to the Father, the Holy Ghost can't come. But if I do go to the Father, if I rise from the dead and ascend to the Father, I will send you another comforter and he will be with you and he will be in you and he will abide with you forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I will not leave you. I will not leave you comfortless. And when he said another comforter, the word is paraclete. But in the Greek, it connotated clearly, I will send you another just like myself. That's why the Bible said, amen, when the Holy Ghost comes, he won't speak of himself. I want to say something to you today. Beware of any ministry that focuses more on the Holy Spirit than Jesus. Because if the Holy Spirit's really in control, He's going to point to Jesus. 
Beware of any ministry that uses a whole lot of Scripture to, to verify their doctrine, but the Scripture doesn't put Jesus in the center. Can you say amen? Because the Bible said, Search the Scriptures, and they be they that testify of me. You don't search the Scriptures to prove your doctrine, your own creed, your own dogma. You search the Scriptures to find the way of salvation, the person of salvation, the Savior Himself, Jesus Christ. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, I don't want to know nothing among you. You can talk politics and we need to vote and we need to get involved in every process we can to keep judgment at bay for a while longer while we get the gospel out here in America. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Paul said, I don't want to hear it. I do not want to get off in a tangent. I don't want to lose the centerpiece of the gospel because it's not the gospel without it. In fact, I don't want to know anything among you but Jesus and him crucified. Hallelujah. You say, Brother Venable, that message has been around for years. We need something new. No, we do not. No, we do not. It saved in the first century. It'll save in the 21st century. It delivered and set free in the first century. It'll deliver and set free in the 21st century. Can you say amen? Jesus and Him crucified is the answer to every problem that man has on this planet. Glory be to God. And when the Holy Ghost comes, He's going to testify of me. He's going to verify my presence in your life. So there's a coming of the Lord through the Holy Spirit, isn't there? Literally, he said, I'll give you one like myself and I will come back to you. Well, has he come yet in the rapture? Has he come in the second coming? No. Has he come in the Holy Spirit? You bet he has. And once he comes and is able to abide in us through the Holy Spirit, while still seated on the throne. Because he said, I'm going to sit right here. Till my enemies be made my footstool. He stood up. Amen. When the first Christian martyr was being stoned to death. At the right hand of God. And he said, I see him. Where? Seated at the right hand of God. But he didn't stay seated. Amen. When he saw me being faithful to him unto death. He stood up. Can you say amen? For two reasons, I believe. One, to intercede for him, that he would have the grace sufficient that he needed to endure what was happening to him, and he had it because the Bible said, and he fell asleep. Can you say amen? <laughs> I, I, I got a, this is not something I can verify scripturally, but I, I've got a sense that when he fell asleep, his spirit just left his body. They continued to hurl rocks at it, and the body didn't quiver or move anymore, but he was gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he was also standing to honor to give honor to someone who's saying, Jesus is worth more than my very life. And I, do, I lay it down. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to His name. There's a coming of the Lord in and through the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you comfortless, orphanous. I will send you another comforter, one like myself. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And he will be in you and he will be with you. And that's how he can be seated in heaven. Amen. And at the same time, keep his promise to be with us every step of the way. So there's the first advent, the first coming of the Lord. Then there's the 
coming of the Lord through the Holy Spirit to abide in us. Lo, I'm with you always. Christ in you. In how? Through the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Everyone who gets saved, whether you get baptized in the Holy Ghost or not, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. No one... You don't go to heaven because you got the Holy Ghost. You go to heaven because Jesus has come to live within And if any man opened the door, I'll come in. I will come in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opened the door, I will come in. Listen to me carefully. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, I've heard it preached by extreme Pentecostal doctrine that is not biblically sound. That if you don't speak in tongues, you're not going to heaven. Tongues is not what saves you. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Hyperspirituality. Amen. No, not hyperspirituality. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. Nothing. I like the doctrine in that song. I like the dogma in that song. I like the truth in it. Nothing without the shedding of blood. There is no sacrifice for sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen to me carefully today. I heard that and I heard it from a man with a healing ministry and a miracle ministry. Amen. And he had this kind of idea that only the spiritual elite would qualify for heaven. And if that be the case, the thief on the cross couldn't be in paradise. But because Jesus was making the sacrifice on the cross, he said today, hallelujah, you, you will be with me in paradise. When your spirit leaves your body, amen, you will be with me in paradise. Not in hell being tormented some more to complete our salvation. You'll be with me where I'm going to be. In paradise. Can you say, man, and we can get deeper into that at a later date, but that's a, that's a vast difference than some of the doctrines that are out there today. Hallelujah. When Jesus said it's finished on the cross, it's finished, I want you to know he meant it. He meant it. Everything that was necessary to save you and me was accomplished at the cross. Everything that was necessary to save the world. Behold the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. It's not His desire. Election is a false doctrine. He didn't decide to save you and some of you He's not going to save. And why do we bother preaching? Because that will save the ones He has predestined to save. No, He hasn't predestined anybody to go to hell. Amen. It's not His will. That any perish, the scriptures declare. For you to buy into election, it would have to be his will. For some to be saved, some to not, and they don't have any say in it, except the ones that are supposed to be saved will get saved when they hear the gospel, and the ones that can't be saved will never be saved, and there's no hope for them. That is not the gospel. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the elect. No, that takes away the sin of the world. Can you say, man, for God so loved the world, the entire, not just the earth. I'm talking about all humanity that have a living soul that he, he gave his life on the cross. The only begotten son of God. God gave him to us. 
as a sacrificed lamb. Listen to me carefully. He comes then in the Holy Spirit. He has to come. I would suggest you be filled with the Spirit so you can overcome. But if you don't talk in tongues, it has nothing to do with whether you go to heaven or not. You're bought with a price, and the price was paid at the cross, and the price was the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Hallelujah. Are you living to praise him each and every hour? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? There's power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the lamb. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will, I will. The song says what the scriptures declare. I will pass over you. So what was God looking for? For that type and foreshadow of Jesus, he's looking for blood on the doorpost. Can you say amen? And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Thank God for that. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. Sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. All their guilty stains. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible is just filled with this invitation to come and drink of the river of life freely. Hallelujah. Praise God for this God, this truth about him. Thank God he's not saying there's no hope for you and you can't help but be saved and you can't help but be lost. Amen. But he said, whosoever will. That sovereign will that he gave man, he's given you that. But he entreats you, come. You don't have to perish. Come, come, come. It's in the last chapter of the book of Revelation. God would not seal the scriptures and seal the book until he gave an invitation. And whosoever will, let him come and drink of the river of life freely. Can you say man? Hallelujah. There is a first coming of Jesus called the first advent. There is a coming of Jesus to abide with us and manifest himself to us in the Holy Spirit coming. And there's a coming of Jesus called the secret coming. Say it with me, secret coming. Brother, I don't find that in the Bible. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. First Thessalonians chapter 4. I don't want you to sorrow like other people about them that sleep. And there's a reason for that. For the Lord himself, at the sound of the trumpet, when the trumpet blows, the Lord himself <laughs> shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel. <laughs> and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are living and remain shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord where? In the air. Everybody say that's a secret coming. The world don't see that happen. They'll see us gone. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say something. They don't like us now. Wait till we're not here to hold back what's coming. Can you say, man? They're going to miss us when we're gone. They're going to miss somebody that has a message of hope because the world don't have it. They're without God and without hope in this present world. Amen. But we are prisoners of hope. We can't get away from hope. You can't be a Christian and be hopeless because you can't be a Christian and be helpless. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. We're not like others who are hopeless. 
No wonder they drink, drink up and shoot up and toke up and do everything they can to deaden themselves to the hopelessness. The Bible said the wicked are like the waters of a troubled sea whose, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace. There's no peace in marijuana. They're pushing it, but there's no peace in it. There's no peace in cocaine. There's no peace in the opiate drugs. People started taking many drugs for the pain in their body. But they realized that it was deadening some pain in their heart that they needed God to pour oil and wine in. And long after there's no more pain in their body, they're still looking for the painkiller to deaden them to the lack of peace and the lack of joy and the lack of fulfillment in their own personal walk with God. The wicked are like the troubled sea whose waters cast up mire and dirt. No matter how, how deep it is to the bottom, if it gets stormy enough on the top, it begins to affect all that mire and dirt and bring it up. There is no peace, saith my God, unto the wicked. No peace. But Jesus promises peace to you. And he promises peace to me. But not as the world gives. The world's definition of peace in, in, in very succinct sentence language is the absence of wars. <laughs> we, live in a, we live in a world with wars and rumors of wars. Like the marriage where people are fighting all the time. They have a prophetic last day marriage, they said. Wars and rumors of wars. And we've all seen that. People that have no peace between each other. My peace I give you not as the world gives you in the world. How many are in the world? You're still in this world. You're not of it, but you're still living in it. In this world, this fallen world, you shall have tribulation. Trials and tests and persecutions and pressures and anguish helps us. But be of good cheer. The moment I said all of those things, we felt the pressure of living in a fallen world. We identified with the heartache and the heartbreak that living in a faulty body in a fallen world brings. In this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That meant I've went before you in flesh like you are. And I've conquered it in flesh like you are. So that I know how to help you overcome it. To take you through it. You're not orphanous. You're not down here on your own. I will give you another comforter. One called alongside to help. I talked to a pastor pastored several churches over a long time told him I pastored a church in Tampa the same church for 45 years he said you must have a backbone of steel I said no no I do not that's not me it's not my strength it's his grace and his mercy that has helped me to sustain and be faithful hallelujah and only his grace and his mercy and then he said something along this line. He said, if you could sum it up in a sentence, the secret of standing and being faithful for 45 years, because we were discussing the fact that 20,000 
believe pulpit ministry per year in America alone, not worldwide, not globally, that's in America. Some were not even called. Getting into ministry will test you whether you're called or not. Some people had this idea of what it was going to be like. It's kind of like my cousin who wanted to be a United States Marine because he loved the uniform. He thought, just wait till the girls see me. He looked at the Navy uniform, said, that's pretty cool. The Air Force uniform, that was nice. The Army uniform was a little blah at the time. Amen. But boy, look at that. Look at that. Look at that Marine strutting his stuff in his Marine uniform. I would be so cool in that uniform. Amen. So he decided to join up. He had his daddy sign for him because he wasn't to, to get him in somehow or another, some about his birth date. Anyway, he ended up in Paris Island in boot camp. And his mama got a phone call and a letter. Please write our congressman. Let him know that I wasn't of age. My daddy had to hedge that to get me in here. I have made a big mistake. Can you say, man, I want <laughs> mama, mammy, <laughs> amen. I want to come home to my mammy. <laughs> I want my mommy. <laughs> he found out being a Marine was not just wearing the uniform, but becoming the soldier, amen, that is representative of the United States Armed Forces, whether it be Army, Navy. I ministered something along this line to, to people passing through down at the, the naval yard here. The, the boat was in, and they asked me to come and minister to a, an admiral. <laughs> wow, I got to preach to an admiral. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's a rear admiral or not. I don't know where he sat in the audience. But anyway, amen, he probably sat in the back if he was a rear admiral. Not, that's not true. That's a rank. That's not where you sit. But God came there. God was in that Sunday morning service. And I was honored and privileged to speak to our military men and women in, in every rank. And they were so attentive to God's word. And they were so receptive to God's word. Because they all knew that they may be called upon to put themselves in harm's way, even their life, at a moment's notice. Because everyone in the military is always on call. Listen to me carefully. Many people put on the uniform, but they didn't want to go through the disciplines necessary to really wear that uniform and all that it represents. There's a reason for boot camp, and it's to weed and prepare those for battle that may be called to go into battle, to develop the disciplines necessary that they're going to need. Let me tell you what God says to the Christian. You're in a battle. You say, I don't, I don't go there. I don't want to go there. Well, you're there. You've got an enemy that's coming for you. I would suggest you take the whole armor of God. And I would suggest that you listen to his instructions so you can utilize this armor. We're at war on three fronts. The world hates you. The devil hates you. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast 
in the faith. And Paul said, in my flesh, there's no good thing. I have to sanctify myself every single day. Not one time with some special act of grace at an altar and forget about it because I'm as holy as I could ever get. This is a daily walk. This is a daily thing. Can you say, man, I I do not fight. Listen to it. I do not fight as one that beateth the air. But I buffet. We got him here today. Buffet, by the way, is spelled in the King James the same as buffet. And my dear brother here used to say, I buffet my body. Because <laughs> he, he headed for the Golden Corral as soon as we're out of here. <laughs> I love you, brother. Paul said, I buffet. It's like a palm tree in a hurricane. That the winds are, are beating it and beating it. And it's bending under the wind, but it's not breaking. Can you say, man, I buffet my body. And I bring it into subjection. Hallelujah. Lest at any time I have preached to others. And I myself become a castaway. Can you say, man, this is a healthy and holy self-watch. Crucifying the flesh and the lust thereof. If you be risen with Christ, battle instructions for people living in the last day. We have barely talked about Enoch, but we'll get there. Can you say, man, we're not doing bad so far, right? We're getting some holy instructions from God to, to live in victory and not be part of the falling away. Hallelujah. There's a war going on. Jesus did not come in His initial coming. He came to bring ultimate peace to the earth when He comes to rule and reign. But Jesus didn't bring peace on earth when He was born in the manger. He made a way for peace on earth when He was crucified. He will enforce peace on the earth when He comes to rule and reign with a rod of iron. So when the angel said peace on earth, goodwill to men, it would read in the Greek and connotate peace to all that will receive the Prince of Peace as their Savior and their Lord. Because there is no peace to the wicked. And a baby in a manger and even a man on the cross can't give them peace unless they receive him as their Savior. Can you say man? This is important stuff today. And you can't have it either. There are Christians sitting in churches that don't have peace. And peace itself is a sign of whether we truly know God. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. My peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, give I thee. Jesus didn't come initially to bring peace to the earth by His coming to the earth, but Him making a way for us to have peace. Listen carefully. Jesus came to start a fight. Jesus came to pick a fight. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to plunder hell and populate heaven. 
Hallelujah. Jesus came, amen, to face the devil as a man in flesh in the desert and to wield the sword of the Spirit and overcome him, not with his divinity, but with part of the armor that he tells every one of us to take. The sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. And every temptation that was thrown at him. And he was vulnerable to temptation. He wasn't above it. He overcame it. Tempted in all points as we are, yet never sinning one time. Hallelujah. Well, one of the things he used was the sword of the Spirit. Can you say amen? How many got a Bible? How many ever listening to a preacher preach the Bible? Hallelujah. Have you ever heard the Word of God? Then you got a mighty sword of the Spirit. Can you say, man, available to you? In the book of, book of is it Deuteronomy, where the, this, 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 this word was quoted from. One book of the Bible, he quoted three scriptures and defeated the enemy that day when he came to tempt him. Man is full of, we get into the Word of God. If he can do it with three scriptures from one book, what can we do with all the scriptures from 66 of them? Can you say, <laughs> but we got to get hungry for the word of God. There's victory for you and there's victory for me. Taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. You know the three temptations for time's sake. Jesus said, it is written. He didn't say, I'm not hungry. Don't bother me. I'm above being hungry. He had fasted for 40 days. And was and hungered. And was and hungered. And was so hungry. He could have eaten the grass. He could have eaten the sole of a shoe. He could have eaten anything. They say hunger. And and he was supernaturally enabled to fast that long. But he was not supernatural. Amen. He was tempted in all points like we are. That's why on the cross he said, I thirst. He wasn't, there was no supernatural something. He died like you and I would have died without God on that cross, feeling every pang and every pain and every circumstance. And he did it to save you. And he did it to save me. Can you say, man? Jesus was in hunger and Satan come. If you're the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Why don't you work arbitrarily? Do something for yourself. You see, Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see my father do. I don't say anything that I don't hear him say. Satan said, why don't you just get out from under the father's will? And why don't you just start doing your thing? You got the power. Prove yourself and satisfy your hunger. And he said, it is. He didn't say, I'm not hungry. That don't bother me. I'm in a super state of sanctification. He said, I'm hungry. That's why he said in the garden, if there's another way, let this cup pass. Come on, I'm not supernaturally kept in here. Hey, man, I'm sweating great drops of blood. I need Peter to pray with me. You're in bad shape if you need Peter at that time. Because he fell asleep. Can you say, man, you're left there by yourself? Can you imagine God in flesh asking Peter to pray with him? Knowing how weak Peter was. 
oh, but let me give you a little. To me, it's an Easter egg or what do they call them when there's something hidden and you find it out? A nugget, a nugget. When he came to Peter, instead of just shaming him, he looked past his weakness and saw his willingness. Peter really didn't want to fail him. But in his weak flesh, he did. Peter, couldn't you watch with me one hour? Peter, I can. Have you ever seen on the videos of dogs being shamed? And they tuck their tail between their legs, and you got a rescue dog that had been abused. And you'd say any little cross thing to him or look at him any cross way. She, she would flatten out on the floor because she's used to being beat down. And did you know Jesus could have beat him down? To where he would feel disqualified to ever be anything for God. But he looked past. I love that song. He looked beyond my faults and saw my need. This is mercy, church. Can you say, man? He, he said, Peter, couldn't you watch me? I don't approve what you did. You did fail me. You did disappoint me. But the spirit is indeed willing. But the flesh is weak. In other words, there's hope for you. Because one of these days, your spirit's going to rise up and get strong and overcome your weak flesh. And you're not going to be that vacillating, failing man anymore. And I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit to give you the power that you need. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Thank God for God that is for you, even when you fail Him. Don't run from Him. Run to Him. Repent of your sin. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Wow. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. It is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He'll do for you. With arms wide open, He'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. Hallelujah. The chimes of time ring out the news. Another day is through. Someone slipped and fell. Was that someone you? Oh, friend. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for a God that will pick you up? I love what you put up on the website. If he told us to get, forgive 70 times 7, and that's not 490, amen. It means there is no limit to forgiveness because that would limit grace. It would limit mercy. It would limit the love of God. Can you say amen? If God tells us to do that, how much more will He not forgive those that come to Him and repent of their sin? Oh, I'm into repentance. Brother Venmore, what did you have to repent of? None of your beeswax. Can you say amen? That's between me and Him. Oh, Brother Venmore, I I felt like you lived in a bubble. You need never repent. Don't be so enthusiastic about how sinful I might become. I'm kidding. I love you today. If anybody says I have no sin, they lie and do not the truth. But if we confess our sin, there's the mercy that's available. He's, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin. Amen. For Jesus' sake. 
and deliver us from the iniquity that caused us to sin in the first place. Hallelujah. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus has a continuous effect to cleanse us. And now you're clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. He loved the church and he cleansed it with the washing of water by the word. And I pray this morning, there's a sancti- sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Something's happening in this room. His word will not return void. Amen. You may not feel it right now, but there's something. There's something happening in here. Good ground hearts are receiving holy seed. And holy seed is going to produce fruit some 30, some 60 and some a hundredfold. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's spiritual growth. There's a coming of the Lord in the Holy Spirit. There's a comforter, one called alongside specifically to help. It is written, is part of the armor of the believer. We need to know the word and we need to unsheath the sword. The sword in the sheath is the word in your heart. Say it with me. The sword in its the sword in its sheath is the word in your heart. It's there. It's it's available. But the devil doesn't fear it until it gets from your heart to your mouth. Jesus said and quoted the scripture audibly, verbally, vocally. Hold fast. Your profession of faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. But the word in your mouth is the, the sword in your mouth is the word unsheathed. Remember how Jesus is going to deal with the Antichrist and the false prophet when he comes? He's not going to have the angels do it. He's going to do it personally. He's going to have an angel throw the devil into the pit. But when he comes, the Bible said there's a sword coming out of his mouth. What? Can you visualize that? Someone painted, that used to be on our platform ministry, painted a picture himself, and it was kind of crude, but it had Jesus, and it looked weird, actually, because it had Jesus with a physical sword coming out of his mouth. That's not what it's showing us. It's showing us God's Word is quick and powerful as the Scriptures declare, sharper than any two-edged sword. Everybody say it cuts Going and coming. One edge is for the devil. (laughs) The other is for you. (laughs) Can you say, man, that we might be pruned, that we might be purged? Can you say, man, listen to me carefully. We got to get it out of the sheath and into our mouth where it can have the power and force God gave it. It is written, Jesus said. And then he quoted the scriptures verbatim. And Satan took a hit, but he came at it again to tempt him. And Jesus said again, it is written, quoted the word verbatim, and Satan took another hit. (laughs) Hallelujah. And Satan hit him again, and Jesus hit him back and said, it is written. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He didn't say I'm not tempted. He didn't say I'm not hungry. Amen. He said it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the devil took another hit. And the Bible said the devil couldn't take it anymore. 
Amen. He left him and tempted him no more that day. He said, I'm out of here. I can't handle this. Can you say, man, honey, you need to get the sword into your heart and then you need to get it out of your heart into your mouth. And you need to declare it and proclaim it. There's something about declaring it. There's something about declaring it. Hold fast your profession of faith without wavering. That word profession is confession in the Greek. And in the the Greek confession, it means to say the same thing as another. Not to say what you think or what you might say, but say what he said. When you say what he said, I love what a guy in Africa said as we close. We're getting our money's worth again today. Hallelujah. I had to go back and get a check to pay for the room. They were, I told Sherry we had to go back and get a check pay for the room. If we don't pay for the room, they'll kick us out. We'll have to find a tree out here, have a brush arbor meeting. I don't, I don't mean a tree to go to the bathroom. We got, they'll let us probably come in and if we sneak in. He went to Africa. He looked at all the souls. Reinhard Bonnke. He went to Africa. Called to Africa. But he didn't know about God's miracles. And the supernatural power of God. And He didn't understand the power vested in the word of God itself. He said, what do I do? He put up a tent and invited people to come. And nobody hardly showed up. He said, how do I reach all these millions of people that sit in darkness in the dark continent 30, 40 years ago? He said, tonight, he said he prayed, he fasted, and the Lord told him, he said, the first thing I want you to do is preach my word to them. Preach my word. That's what Paul told Timothy, discouraged. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Preach the word, study it, that you might rightfully divide it and then preach it. Hallelujah. And then he told him something else. He said, and I want you, when you're through declaring my truth to them, I want you to declare that I will save them, I will heal them, and I will deliver them. And he said, I don't have a healing ministry. I, I don't have any concept of how to, how to, he said, I'm not asking you to heal anybody. I'm asking you to declare me as a savior, a deliverer, a healer to them. And then he told him something else. I want you to hear it. He said, my word in your mouth, my word, scripture in your mouth holds as much authority as my word in my mouth because it's not your word in your mouth, it's mine. Somebody say glory to God. Amen. Did you know what? I'm preaching with the authority of the word of God today. And the devil doesn't like it, but he can't lump it. But he'll have to deal with it because I'm not backing off.
That's why a lady in Nashville said, where's a church where I can hear the unadulterated truth of God preached without compromise? Honey, if it's hard to find such a church, then the church world is in trouble today. We're sitting here with empty seats and there are people, if you ask them, they'll say that is a man of God. That man is bringing God's truth. But they're going for the amenities. They're going for the program. They're going for the entertainment. They're not getting saved. And if they are getting saved, they certainly aren't getting sanctified because only God's word speak spoken in absolute authority. Amen. Will bring sanctification to the human soul in the human body. You're clean through the word that he spoke. Not the watered down. Edited. Selective words that ministers today are giving. And people knowing that will not support this ministry. People knowing that wouldn't come here. They know it. The Bible said the time will come. It's here now. Last day sign. Men will not endure what? What every Christian should embrace. Sound doctrine. But they will. They want doctrine, but they want it from false teachers that will tell them what they want to hear instead of what God is saying. But they will heap to themselves teachers. Having, and I notice it's teachers. If someone's preaching under the anointing, the spirit of truth is on them. And they're liable to tell the truth at their own peril. Amen. Like Vance Abner. He said, I believe I've preached myself out of many pulpits. In other words, a lot of people don't want me to come and preach because I'm going to tell the truth. There are many congregations not used to that and don't want that. And some flat out reject that. But it's only the truth that will set us free. Hallelujah. So are you discouraged because of that? No, because Paul hit it. He said at my first answer, no man stood with me. Not only didn't any man stand with me, those that were with me when I came forsook me. I looked for my brethren to stand with me and they were gone. Nevertheless, Christ stood by me and strengthened me that the preaching might be made fully known. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus said, would you leave me too? They left him standing all by himself. They said, where could we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. There was no, they knew if we want the truth, we're going to have to embrace it because we can't find it through those that are watering it down. I want to go to heaven. I want the truth. I want to overcome the devil. I want the truth. I don't go to church just to go to church. I go to church to win the battle. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Thank you for that clap today. (laughs) Didn't ask for it, but I appreciate it. So if we're preaching in Nashville, God bless you in Nashville for embracing the truth. And you know why they were looking for truth? And God brought us to mind and our ministry to mind. Because God is doing something. God is putting a hunger in the heart of his people for his truth 
so that he can bring us unto himself to keep us safe in this last closing hour that we are living in. Amen. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the sons of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wing. Instead of seeing how far we can drift from him and still go to heaven, we run to him for safety. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Can you say amen? Blessed is the man that stands not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor walks in the way of the sinful. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. First, he's, he's standing in the counsel of the ungodly. He's getting so comfortable in their counsel, he's sitting down, amen, and sitting in the seat of the scornful. And then when he gets up, he's, he finds himself walking in the way of the world giving in to the culture amen letting the flesh rule him amen but blessed is the man that does what blessed is the man blessed is the man who meditates in my word day and night can you say amen hallelujah if you meditate in the word you will reject the counsel of the ungodly when they laugh Jesus to scorn when he says a dead person can live you say listen nothing is impossible with God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Not only will you not walk in the way of sinners, amen, you will reprove the unfruitful works of darkness. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And say, that's them. And they can do whatever they choose to do, but as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law, He doth meditate day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by a river. And He won't see when the drought comes. Somebody say, Lord, the church is dried, dried up. No, there's no revival anywhere. And He said, what you talking about? You get in the Word of God, get it inside of you. Hallelujah. Praise God. It'll become health to your navel and marrow to your bone. Hallelujah. The word has to get out of the sheath and it has to get into your mouth. They overcame the devil by the word, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And then their devotion, loving not their life unto the death. But there has to be a testimony. If you, and what is the testimony? It's in direct relation to the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And what is accomplished in your behalf. Hallelujah. But it has to get in your mouth. Hold fast your profession. You confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. But the heart man believeth. There's the sword in its sheath. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We look at the tongue. We see it set on fire of hell and it's full of deadly poison. It can be used that way. But I want you to know the Bible said there's life in it. And the Bible said it's like a rudder. It can steer you to the rocks where you will shipwreck. Or it can steer you out of the shallows into the deep. For you can sail on for Jesus. Can you say, man, 
this right here. Life. Not just death, but life. So speak life to one another. Amen. Let's get rid of the poison in the church and in our hearts and in our minds. And let's get truth in our mouth. Enoch walked with God in a wicked generation. Noah is in the lineage. You can see the exponentially wickedness that is continuing wickedness to the point of God saying, I've got to step in. Just holiness and justice requires me to step in. Today, I'm just going to ask you in closing, how many people in this room want to get deeper into the Word of God so God's Word can get deeper into you. So He can get you ready for the soon coming of Jesus through the washing of water by the Word. Amen. Do you have that hunger? I'm glad to be here sharing the gospel with somebody who wants to hear it. And right now, everybody else is down at the Golden Corral. They've done been. They've had their Religious, ritualistic fix for Sunday morning. You've been to those churches. You've got your fix. But it didn't challenge you. And therefore, it can never change you. Only being exposed to the Word of God. As we behold, as in a glass. Literally translated. What, what is that mirror that we're holding up? What mirrors God and Christ to us? The Scripture. So scholars say it would read like this, as we behold, reflected to us as a mirror reflects an image, not our image, but his image in the word of God. As we behold, as a man thinketh, so is he. We're becoming what we're beholding. That's why it says, look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith. As we behold is in a glass, whose face? His face. His true character and person. We are changed into His image. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. In other words, God uses His Word and His Holy Spirit to make us more like His Son. Hallelujah. So, I, I love the Word of God. I love to teach it. I love to preach it. I can't teach it without preaching it. And I can't preach without teaching it. Hallelujah. Are we the Enoch generation? We'll try to pursue that. Are we? Can we walk with God in a progressively wicked generation? And will he have a people that are keeping the faith when he comes? Will he take us just like he took Enoch when he comes in his secret coming called the rapture of the church? And will we return with him to rule and reign at the second coming of Jesus? When he stands upon the Mount of Olivet, hallelujah, and the mountain opens up and that great last battle between light and darkness will ensue. And we will win because a sword will come out of his mouth and it will be the word of God. Will you stand with me? I want to ask you to make a decision here. We don't see the value many times of God's Word. We don't see the value of a service. 
we have a two-hour service on Sunday because we don't have a Wednesday or a Sunday night right now. So we maximize this time. To be honest with you, if we had a Sunday evening and a Sunday night, it'd still be a two-hour service. And it's not just because, and I am long-winded, I admit it, we're in the last day. And when you walk out of here, when you walk out of here, Satan is going to use the media. He's going to use responsibilities, necessities, everything he can in your life to keep you from focusing on Christ, from raising your eyes and looking on the fields that are white unto harvest. He wants to keep you a baby Christian. He wants to, if you get it in your heart, he don't want you to get it in your mouth. Can you say amen? But if you get it in your heart and you begin to speak, it is written and you declare the word. You don't, somebody, somebody declared a scripture at work and somebody else wanted to be smarty pants says, what's the chapter and verse? He said, well, I'm not clear. I forgot the chapter and verse, but I know it's the scripture. And I thought, come, lighten up. listen, it's the word, it's the word, it's the word. Chapter and verse was just so they could keep track of it all and be accurate. You don't have to devil what, tell the devil what chapter and verse. You have to tell him what God said in his word. You want me to prove it to you? She's holding you here. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 5. He hath said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That we might boldly say, He has said, no, that we might boldly say what He said. In essence, the Lord is my helper, therefore. I will not fear. Is that the word? Yes, it is. It is in you, and now you are claiming the truth of it. But if you could verbatim quote the Scripture... When you are being tempted, you will win. You will win. I was being tempted to be so discouraged. So discouraged. It just hit me. Do you ever have it just hit you? I mean, you could probably point to some reasons, but sometimes there doesn't even seem to be a reason. You just feel the weight. You feel it. And you feel like, I couldn't take this, and I couldn't take that. I can't take anything. And you want to run from everyone and everything. Pull your head in like a turtle, like Timothy. And I started to say, Lord, I just, I just, I can't handle anymore. But when I started to say I can't, my feelings, his word came up. And what does his word say? Transcends my feelings, my circumstances, my emotions, my enemies. I can do all things through Christ. That strengthens me. It's not in me, but it's in Him and He's in me. Can you say amen? Don't tell me if God strengthens you, you can't. I know you can't without it, but I can do all things through Him that strengthens me. Now, I like what John Wayne said. We've been quoting Jesus. I'm going to throw John in. Just give him a little part of it. How many remember John Wayne? He had a definition of courage. He said courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Fear is going to come to every one of us. But we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. And greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Well, evidently, he's going to strengthen us. And some of us are going to rise up and not just wear the uniform. We're going to put on the armor. We're going to fight the good fight of faith. We're going to win the battle. Jesus is going to be glorified. Hallelujah. He loves you so much today. Glory to God. We're going to close with an offering. Ask you to come back next week for Holy Communion if you can. Hallelujah. And uh, he'll take you through the fire. Some of you may be going through it. Think it not strange. It's common to all of us. But we can get through it because he is with us every step of the way. Father, bless this offering gift and giver. We receive it. And let every one of us understand that we're part of the sowing of the seed in Nashville, in New York City, in Africa. We're pastoring people, teaching people in other states and other nations. And we believe that's going to broaden. We believe the hunger in the heart. They're going to come to our website because we're still standing for your truth. And everyone said amen and amen.